listening to On The Road with Mike and Andy, the number one Australian weekly trucking podcast made for Aussie truckies by Aussie truckies. We're here to bring an independent voice to truckies right around Australia. So please do us a favour, listen in on your favourite podcast platform, hit like and subscribe, leave a comment and don't forget to tell your mates about us. On the Road is brought to you by NTI, Australia's leading transport and logistics insurer. Visit the website at nti.com.au. G'day all and welcome back. It's episode 67 of On the Road and we're on the countdown to our mega Christmas show next week. We've got a monster show again for you this week as Mike finally catches up with Senator Glenn Stirl in Port Hedland to follow up on the findings of his Rural and Regional Affairs Senate Committee into the trucking industry. Later in the show, and something to talk about, Mike discusses the AdBlue shortage issues with Big Rigs editor James Graham and small fleet owner Angie. We've got music royalty with us this week as I have a yarn with Gina Jeffries and Tanya Koenigan about their exciting musical collaborations and then a little later, I catch up with singer-songwriter and top-notch home brewer, Blake Dantier. So that's not one, but two fabulous music features this week, plus you'll get to hear their new singles as well. We've got Truckies accountant Ben Charles with his Wake the Truck Up segment, all the latest news, and a whole lot more. I could go on, but I won't, so... Let's get this show on the road! Yes, get on with it! G'day, I'm Yogi from Outback Chuckers, and when I'm on the road, we're always on the road doing stuff out on the road, but when we're on the road, we're listening to the big rigs on the road. <laughs> this is Simon Smith here from the Australian Big Rig Radio Roadshow.com. Truck and radio is what we do across Australia 24 7. Loads of truck and classics every hour. If you'd like to drop us a line, love to hear from you at some stage. Our email address, bigrigradio at yahoo.com.au. Catch it down the road and take it steady out there. The Australian Big Rig Radio Roadshow.com. Don't you just love it when someone says this person needs no introduction, then goes on to introduce them anyway? Well, guilty as charged, here I go. This week we've got not one, but two Aussie country music legends joining us to talk about their new duet single and their upcoming touring plans. They've teamed up to record a wonderful single titled My Old Friend and will be kicking off their Girls' Night Out tour at the 50th Annual Tamworth Country Music Festival in the new year. Now colour me lucky as I got to talk with both of them at the same time. So here they are, the queens of Australian country music, Gina Jeffries and Tanya Kernigan. Gina and Tanya, thanks so much for joining us on the road. Hey Andy, thank you for having us. G'day Andy and all your listeners, Tanya here, and it's great to be with you. Oh Lou, it's wonderful to have you both here. Now, just to settle something firstly, I've heard a rumour that the two of you have known each other for over 30 years, which must mean you must have met in preschool. Is that right? <laughs> it's kind of been rumoured to 30, it's not quite 30, but... We are getting up there, and yeah, we met when we were, I don't know, 10 or 12. <laughs> it's not true. We were in our early 20s when we first met at the Shamworth Country Music Festival. Yeah, that's a little while ago, but we're still young. Yeah, totally. <laughs> well, compared to me, you certainly are. <laughs> that's the thing, you've got to compare yourself. <laughs> so it's not quite 30 years, it just feels that way, eh? Yeah. <laughs> so whose idea was it originally for the two of you to come together to record and tour? Well, Gina and I had been catching up over Zoom. Mm. I live in Queensland and Gina's down the central coast. 
and the best way for us to catch up over the last couple of months has been really via Zoom. So we're having Chardonnay and a bit of a catch up and having a talk about, you know, the new year and getting back on the road and touring and that sort of thing. And as you do. Yeah, we said, look, why don't we write some songs together? And that was really the catalyst of the conversation. And then Gina had this idea about writing about friendship and our friendship had lasted for so many years and ever enduring and and as it turned out, we pretty much just wrote the words that reflected our relationship and our friendship together. And as it's turned out, it's you know one of those songs that a lot of people who listen to it are saying, yeah, that's about me. I can relate to that and about my good friends as well. Yeah. Now, My Old Friend is just simply a killer song. I've said that before and I mean it. I was just listening to it before we came on air here. And I expect that after all the lockdowns and disruptions of the last year or so, My Old Friend will probably become something of a I guess, an opening up anthem for people as they start getting together with their friends again. It's funny because, you know, a few people have thought that Tanya and I did that on purpose. You know, we wrote a song that would time itself perfectly just as old friends got to catch up again after many, many months apart because of the lockdown. But we just wrote it from our heart. It wasn't, you know, brilliant timing or anything. It really was just a song that Tanya and I feel from our very heart. Mm. You know, we've got a bunch of songs ready to go, but this felt like the first single. And, and we're just so lucky it just as it came out, it timed with people being able to see each other for the first time. I think particularly very soon the Queensland border opens up, so we will actually be able to see each other. Tanya and I are super excited. We're actually going to get together soon and record the rest of the album and get to work on our new concert and stuff. But yeah, it's perfect timing and not done on purpose. Mm. Just <laughs> well, just thinking, there's a thought for a live album for the future, live at the open border. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> Singing across the barricades to each other. Yeah. I reckon you'd know Andy a few truckies out there that would be able to provide a stage for us. Oh, I don't think there'd be any problem there whatsoever. <laughs> totally. <laughs> now, where can our listeners go to find out more about your collaboration, the songs, the tour dates and all that? Pretty much our social media platforms, Gina's and my Facebook pages and Instagram, we'll always be keeping that pretty updated as far as our tour dates and what we're doing in that respect. But at the moment, the song is just available on Spotify, Apple Play, I think it's iTunes as a download. And later in 2022, it'll be as part of our body of work as an album. So hmm. if people prefer to buy the physical copies, well, that'll be a bit later in the year. Okay. And the tour, starting off at Tamworth, I assume? Yeah, it's exciting for us because Tanya and I met at the Tamworth Country Music Festival all those years ago and it's nice for us to be starting the Girls' Night Out tour back where we began our careers. And on the 50th anniversary too. On the 50th anniversary and Tamworth holds such a special place in both of our hearts. We both had so many opportunities. You know, we won Golden Guitars there, we met each other, I met my husband there and we've made so many good friends. So it feels really special to be starting back where we began. Then we're heading out across Australia we're yet to announce all the details of the tour across Australia, but if you keep an eye on our socials, we're at quite a few big festivals next year and we'll be reaching as many towns across Australia as we can, but we'll announce that very soon on our social media. Brilliant. The question without notice here, as you know, On the Road is made especially for all the hardworking truckies right around our great country. I'm sure you both would have met a lot of them in your travels. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've got to say to, you know, my dad, Ray again. Dad was recording trucking albums in the late 70s, Andy, mm. and one of his first records was one called Me and Louie on the Road. Mm. And I think nearly every Australian had one of those albums back in the 70s. 
And then many years later, he owned and drove the world's fastest jet-powered truck called Walsing Matilda. I remember, yeah. Yeah. Now, that was an LN7000 Ford Louisville truck. Mm. And just absolutely, it was like part of the family. We toured a lot together with the truck around Australia. And we had a country music traveling show and a jet-powered truck on the road. And a lot of your listeners would remember Matilda. I talk about Matilda like she's a sister because that's how close we were to that truck. It was a great part of our life. And through that truck and through Dad's trucking albums, we got to meet and work with a lot of wonderful truckies out there to the point where Dad even wrote a song called No Truck and Worries. <laughs> <laughs> Is the truck still around? Uh, no, no. We sold it sort of in the mid-'80s. We'd had it for about six years and taken it to a lot of air shows and drag strips and things like that. Mm. And it was time for Dad to make another record and to move into a different area of his career. I'm not exactly sure where Matilda ended up. There's rumours that it ended up in Tasmania carting honey, but I can absolutely rest assured that that is not the truck. Mm. Dad's cast his beady eyes over that particular truck, and there's a lot of things that Matilda had that that truck hasn't got. The fact that it was a different Louisville as well, Matilda was the LN7000 and that one down in Tassie isn't. But anyway, there's a lot of rumours about where it ended up, but sometimes you just got to keep moving forward and you can't look back too much. No, that's true. Well, I expect that one of our listeners out there, at least one, probably has some idea where it is. So if you own it or you know who does, please get in touch with On The Road and let us know. We'd love to follow on the story from that. Now, I'm sure you both agree it's been incredibly tough the past while for all of us in the entertainment business, but particularly tough for our truckies who've pushed on over and above the call of duty. Would you have a message you'd like to pass on to them today? Oh, yeah. Thank you for feeding the nation, for bringing everything to us. It doesn't go unnoticed. You guys are the heroes of Australia delivering across this massive country. And we're so grateful that you continue to do that. No, I'm sure Tanya's got something to say here too. And then I have a funny story I have to share with you. Okay. Yeah, share us your story, Gina. I'd love to hear it. I'm wondering if Chucky is listening to this now, if he remembers this, but I was just thinking about it. I don't know if it was in the late 90s or it might have been the very early 2000s, but we were playing at West Tamworth Leagues at the Tamworth Country Music Festival and there was a Chucky at the show and he came up and said, can you come out the back after the show and sign my truck? <laughs> and Tanya's brother Lee had a big hit at the time called She's My Ute. Yep. But he had signed the truck, She's My Truck. So my hit at the time was Girls Night Out, so I wrote <laughs> Trucks Night Out on this truck. And then Tanya, you were trucks in boots. Do you remember this? I laughed so hard, but all of the big stars at the time signed this guy's truck, but they changed their song <laughs> and whatever their hit song was at the time to Trucks in Boots, Trucks Night Out, She's My Truck. <laughs> Becky had one. I can't remember what Becky Cole's big song was at the time, but <laughs> and it was very funny. So there was this beautiful truck driving around that we had all autographed, but we, <laughs> we changed the name to make it truck appropriate. So I don't know if the truckie is driving around right now who met us backstage at West Lakes and got us to sign your truck that way. And if it was okay that we did that, because, you know, I thought it was funny. <laughs> but I've never forgotten it. Do you remember that, Tanya? You yeah, wrote, I do. Yeah. You trucks in boots. <laughs> yeah, I'm just thinking about how that Slim Dusty song was married to my bulldog, Mac. Mm. And I'm yeah. just thinking that if we have the opportunity to sign any of the fellas bull bars or sun visors or sleeper cabs or what have you, we might be able to write, you know, my old friend. Yeah, <laughs> yeah just, my old truck. <laughs> 
I got to say that there's a lot of fellas that are married to their trucks out there that they just seem to go up and down the highway. And some of the trucks just amaze me with the way they're lit up like Christmas trees coming along the highways. They really are their pride and joy. Yeah. They keep the nation moving and they really are the unsung heroes of our nation. There's no doubt about that. They really are. Now, I remember when it's not that long since we taught our son, Jackie, he's 18 now, how to drive and his first time out on a freeway between Central Coast and Sydney. And we came up near a, you know, a bunch of really big trucks and he got a little bit nervous because the trucks were so big. And we said, Jackie, these guys are the professional drivers. These are the guys that you can absolutely trust are going to do the right thing around you. They're not the ones you have to worry about. Yeah. It was a great thing to tell a kid, you know, because you guys are actually professional drivers. I'm the worst driver in the world. You don't want to come near me. I'm Anna and I go really slow. (laughs) But yeah, it was a good thing to tell a kid to just have that respect for the trucks as a new driver and to know that you guys are the professionals and you guys do it better than any of us, obviously. Yeah. Thank you for that story. And I think now that the guys have heard that, wherever you're going to be touring, you can have a lot of truckies coming up asking you for little quips on their trucks, I'd say. (laughs) Hey, Andy, some of your listeners might not know this, but I have my heavy rigids license. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. About two years ago, I thought, you know, I'm going to learn how to drive a truck because you never know when you might need to do that. Yeah. So I went and had these lessons, you know, and I'm driving all around the countryside with this fellow in a little truck. And so it's heavy rigid. And I like to say that word. I, I don't know if it's because I like to drive it. I just like to say heavy rigid. <laughs> it's pretty good. But i got to say, yeah, I always thought, you know, just should have it up my sleeve in case singing doesn't work out. Yeah. And Tanya, if we're out on the road and one of us has to drive that truck, it's going to be you, not me. Yeah. <laughs> well, hopefully it'll never come to that and that you'll be needing to drive because we need to keep hearing from you for a long time to come. <laughs> Clearly, I'm way too old to be fanboying away here, but I've been doing it anyway. And it's not every day you get to chat with the delightful Gina Jeffries and Tanya Kernigan. So Gina and Tanya, thanks so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to come and play on the road with us today. Oh, it's our pleasure, Andy. Thank you for having us and Merry Christmas to all the truckies out there and your families and we hope to see you all soon. Yeah, good on you, Andy, and to all the families and all the truckies. Uh, keep the country moving and no trucking worries. You do a great job. To take us out, would you both be so kind as to introduce your brand new song for us? Thanks, Andy. This is Gina Jeffries. And I'm Tanya Kernigan. And this is our brand new song. My old friend. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, ladies. Have a wonderful Christmas and a brilliant 2022. Beautiful as ever Making this world 
After Glenn Stirl for ages, I caught up with him at Port Edland the other day, but he had the wrong shirt on. He didn't have his Senator Stirl shirt on. He had his Centurion shirt on doing the charity run. Mate, how's that all going? You're doing a bit more of that, aren't you? I am, Mike. How are you, mate? I am actually heading off this coming Thursday. Yep. They've got me running to Derby for a couple of weeks, mate, so that should put another five grand into the kitty for the charity, Yeah. which I'm really wrapped about, mate. No, it's good work, mate. I reckon that there should be a bit more of it. At least you get out there and you bloody walk to walk and talk to talk, mate. That'll do me. Well, I'll tell you what, it grounds me, mate. It brings me back. I think to myself, geez, I missed this. You know, after I saw you the other day in Headland, and I'll tell you what, the next day when I was waiting for that trail to be loaded with the melons at Shalimar, and she was about 43 degrees, <laughs> I was having second thoughts. <laughs> tell you what, it's getting a bit tropical up there too, mate. I was looking at the weather report, and I'm thinking, I'm not upset that I'm not up there at the moment. It's a bit warm. No, well, the truck I brought back, mate, you saw me in the Kenworth. Yeah. I brought back a Mac that was going back for a heap of work to be done. Yep. And it was my son, actually, he was driving it and he took the Kenworth and he said, good luck with this. He gave me the Mac. He said, oh, by the way, <laughs> the ice pack doesn't work. Oh, jeez. Awesome. Yes, anyway, fond memories. No, it's all good. So what we're here to talk about today, mate, is the Rural and Regional Affairs Committee that you chaired into the trucking industry. Mm-hmm. The one that I and so many others made submissions to and the report is now in and it's been sitting there for a while. I suppose it's collecting dust on the corner of your desk, is it? Uh, look, it's been in and out of its plastic folder many, many times with me. 
it's probably collecting heck of a lot more dust sitting in the parliament in the tabling office yeah. where I don't expect the government to do anything about it, mate. Well, they made some comment, but anyway, that's... They did. I've had a bit of a read of some of the comments they made. Really, the only thing that they weren't really happy about was Recommendation 10. They don't reckon they need to listen to anybody that's in the industry anymore. <laughs> that amused me. <laughs> I couldn't believe it myself. All through the pandemic, calling your heroes yeah. and they love you and get a photo. And yeah. When I read Recommendation 10 myself, I thought, I think I'm seeing things here. But yeah, that's interesting. Hmm. I was also interested that they identified that something else had been addressed. I can't remember where it was. Let me just scroll back through. I've got it here in front of me on my little computer. Mm -hmm. Something else had been addressed somewhere two years ago, so we didn't need to worry about it. The fact nothing's been done about it's a side issue. Yeah. But it was addressed a couple of years ago. Where, where was that one? I'm trying to remember myself now. I can't remember. Unless it was on training or something? I've got no idea. It was training. It was all about licensing and all that sort of thing. Everything's tickety-boo, Mike. Nothing to see, mate. Nothing to see here. Yep. No, I find that amusing, given I think that the largest proportion of the comment with respect to the committee was to do with licensing, training and driver retention, wasn't it? Yes, that was. It was a huge part of it, mate. Uh, so let me just go back a little bit right to the start. You worked on this thing for a while and then the COVID situation happened and it sort of got dragged out. Mm. You had hearings right across the country. Mm -hmm. I think that the disjointed nature of the hearings and the timings and that sort of, did you think that that affected the way the report was generated? Oh, look, it was annoying to me. It frustrated me because I wanted to get around a couple of rural ones, a couple of regional ones, and I wanted to get out and speak to a lot more truck drivers. We only got the one hearing in in Queensland to start with, and then it all went to Cactus, as we all know. And yeah. Unfortunately, half the hearings were done across this Zoom rubbish, and yeah. that's not conducive to a good Senate inquiry. But we gave it our best shot, and I think I got Queensland, Melbourne, and Canberra. Oh, Sydney? And you guys up in Sydney? Yeah. In the end, we knew where it was going to go. Not a lot surprised me, mate. Mm. All it did was just reiterate to me that I'm not the only one with a chip on my shoulder, <laughs> that these problems are real. As I'd said, Mike, and said plenty of times, and talking to many truck drivers, I shut my eyes and we go back 20, 30 years. These are the same problems. We just throw in a few extra things like PBS or something like that. Yep. It's all the same problems. We're still talking about it. Yep. Well, licensing reform has been on the back burner for 20 plus years. Mm -hmm. I just went through there and I found it was recommendation five with respect to the ATSB and their role in the investigation of accidents. That was the one that they said had been addressed elsewhere. Oh, yeah. Just as a side issue, we look at that tragedy that happened in Melbourne there the other day. That's something that screams out for something like the ADSB to investigate that accident, why it happened. And well, Mike, this is the frustrating part, and we've got to get past all the you know, excuses why, but mm. sadly, over 100 truck drivers get killed a year, 120, 150. Yep. And you and I both know trucks don't fall over in the middle of the night on their own. No, they don't. Yep. And this is the problem because in Australia, this is always just part of doing business. People get killed on the road. Yep. This infuriates me, and I keep saying this, Imagine if 150 miners were killed. Yep. Oh, my God. You can see the headlines and the money now. The bureaucrats coming out of the woodwork. Yep. Because the problem, I believe, is why did the truck driver get killed? Yep. There needs to be something that actually says, what are the root causes? Why are these drivers being killed on the road? Yep. Now, if it's a suicide, well, it got all that sort of stuff. Why is the truck driver being killed? And then it needs to go up the chain. And it's not just a case of saying, well, the truck driver should have been in bed. Well, hang on. There could have been all sorts of other things going on. We know that the accidents occur. You don't have to always be asleep. Yep. But we need to find out why. Go through the supply chain. You and I have sat here for many years, mate, like thousands of your listeners. 
I'm sick to death of the crap of hearing about the chain of responsibility. Yep. The silver bullet back in the 90s when it was put to me, what a load of crap that is. Yeah. We need to investigate why these accidents are happening. Why are brothers and fathers and uncles and sons being killed? Yeah. Well, it's pretty clear, mate, something's gone wrong somewhere. Yeah. Don't just write it off as a road accident. It's a workplace death. I agree, mate. Get up the chain. There needs to be some proper action investigation. I mean, yep. look, no one denies that the police don't have the expertise and the experience to conduct these investigations, but it concerns me a little bit. I think sometimes they're a bit limited in the scope. Yes. Whoever owns that truck that that accident happened the other day, that seems to be the knee-jerk reaction. Now the company that's involved in a big accident, they have a visit from the various transport authority and the police in a short time frame. But there doesn't seem to be any follow-up. We never ever seem to find out what goes on. No, that's right, mate. There never seems to be any real answers either. No, just still gets lost, doesn't it, over the time. Time just disappears. And the thing is, like, with the greatest respect to the police, yep. a lot of the police aren't trained. They don't know what the weights are. They don't know the vehicles. Mm. They don't know scheduling. They don't know fatigue management. Most of the truck drivers haven't been interstate or long-distance line-haul drivers. Yeah. You know, I mean, they work their hours, get all that, but... They have their issues, but they're not in control of the fully loaded road train or B-double. Mm. So in all fairness to the police, to them, they've got other things that they deal with too. Yep. This is why we need a dedicated agency that has the investigative skills and powers to get in there and find out why that truck went upside down yep. or why did that truck cross the double white line and bang into the other truck. And lo and behold, I think there'll be quite a few clients, mate, whose backsides would be quivering now yeah. if we had that sort of investigative legislation and regulation in this nation, mate. I really think it's something that's long overdue. Mm-hmm. We've gone through all these recommendations. I'm not going to read them out. People can go to the Rural and Regional Affairs Tribunal website at aph.gov.au. And they can see the recommendations for themselves and they can read the submissions that are put there by everyone that you drew your information on. Yep. I know Pauline Hanson was involved with you for a while. Who else was involved in the hearings? I had Senator Susan McDonald from Queensland. She was on most of the hearings. Mm. COVID sort of made that very hard. Yep. Apart from that, mate, that was us. Senator Hanson joined me, I think, for one up in Queensland, I think. There might have been a second one in Melbourne. Yep. But no, I had no one else, mate. Put it this way, I had no one to argue with. I was sitting there most of the time on the own. <laughs> I don't recall your argument with anyone, actually, but anyway. The recommendations, it seems to me pretty much that the coalition have all commented, or coalition senators agree with recommendations pretty broadly. As I said, it's only really recommendation number 10 that they seem as though that they had an issue with that might duplicate some other things. I would have thought that the best people to listen to would be the people who are out there doing the job. Mm. I mean, they're saying that the Transport Minister can hear from people at any time I'm here to tell you that getting old of the transport ministry, if you're someone even like me, is not an easy thing to do. They they tend to be too busy to talk to you. Yeah. Um, and even then, it's just one person. They don't seem as though they, they're very interested sometimes. Oh, look, I'm going to be blunt as I've always been, Mike. They don't give it stuff. Mm. I just got to clear a few things, mate, for the listeners, mm. the men and women out there with the steering wheel in their hands. Yep. The Senator Pauline Hanson and Malcolm Roberts and Senator Jackie Lambie and Sterling Griff from South Australia and Rex Patrick backed in this inquiry. Yep. The Lib Nat senators all voted against having an inquiry to the point where I pulled it on and said, I want to vote on this. 
and they crossed the floor to vote against it. Wow. Now I asked, what the frick? Oh, I know you said the F word then. Yeah. I nearly got the air horn then, mate. <laughs> you did. <laughs> what the hell? Why would you vote against an inquiry? Mm. Hey, look, you're right, mate. And I heard from, there was 150 witnesses over the hearings. Yeah. And I appreciated every single witness that came. They had about 37 truck drivers appearing as their own, 128 submissions. 58 submissions were truckies, yep. transport drivers as well as companies and organisations. But I couldn't think of a better way to go out and listen to the truck drivers, listen to the men and women who are doing it. And also while we're listening, not just to the truck drivers, we're talking to men and women who are employing forkies, receival staff, mechanics, uh, tyre fitters, the whole gambit that is our great industry. Yep. Why would you not sit down with an industry and say, what do we need to do to fix it? Or where do we go wrong? Yeah. You know what, Mike, in this nation, mate, no one gets kicking the ass for admitting they made a mistake. Mm. You'll get a damn good kick in the ass if you just refuse to accept that you made the mistake. It infuriates me. Truckies have to be at the table, mate. They do indeed. Well, while I've got this opportunity, we'll just take a quick break and we'll hear a word from our wonderful sponsors and we'll be right back. I'm going to ask Glenn the fantasy question. Uh-oh. Stay tuned. There's nothing more devastating for a truck operator than to be involved in a serious road incident. We've all seen the impact of heavy vehicle accidents and at these times, when people are most vulnerable, it's critical that they have immediate support from a strong, stable, reliable and experienced organisation. NTI is Australia's number one truck insurer, the specialist you can count on to protect your transport and logistics assets, with the know-how to take control of the situation and the capability to reduce lost income by getting trucks back on the road again as soon as possible. Specialist products, experienced people, accredited repair and recovery networks and industry advocacy is what we do. It's our specialty and we've been doing it for more than 45 years. For more information, visit the website at nti.com.au or go to the NTI Facebook page. Righto, welcome back. The fantasy question for Senator Glenn Stirl. Labor goes to the next election and you guys manage to pull it off. Who ends up being the Transport Minister, mate? Catherine King. Catherine King. Catherine King will be the Transport Minister. I answered Catherine. I'm the junior, yep. and I'm very happy to have that role, and hopefully Albo's still happy for me to have it if we do pull it off. Yep. I will be the Assistant Minister for Road Safety, which encompasses a lot of this stuff here that we're talking about, mate. Mm. And, of course, my passion for the road freight industry. Right, so do we end up with the RSRT Mark II? There will be something in its place, Mike. I will not hide that. It will not be, this is it, stick this up your uh, jumper, you're going to cop it. Mm. There is no way known that we are going to let it happen the way it happened last time. Good. My first thing, Mike, and I've never hidden this, is the first thing we have to do, because it won't be under Minister Catherine King, should Labor win it, will come under Tony Burke, Industrial Relations. Right. And I've had these conversations with Tony Burke very clearly, that there has to be a consultative body, yes, an industry body. And Mike, as I have said all the way around this nation, and I stand on this, it must have representation from owner drivers. Yes. They have to be there. Now, you'll think, oh, yes, the usual suspects. Well, I'm telling you what, it won't be the usual suspects. There will be people that have a role to play, yeah. and we know who those association organisations are, but there'll be owner drivers at the table, mate. Well, there's got to be. There's got to be owner-drivers and drivers at the table, mate. Yep, and drivers. Because the fact of the matter is the vast majority of the associations represent the corporates. They don't represent the little bloke that's actually out there holding the steering wheel, do they? 
That's right. That mate, that is exactly right. Yep. I'd be happy to see an RSRT Mark II, as long as it didn't get the same level of rubbish that it got last time. I think we've all got to freely admit, and I, I freely admit that I made a mistake in arguing. I was uneducated at the time, but there was a lot of emotion. Mm. People went off half-cocked. Mm-hmm. I was probably one of them. I screamed fairly loudly at the time about how bad it was. You did? Yep. I think Turnbull and his mates decided it would be a great idea to pull that double dissolution that they did and use that as part of the trigger to do it. And they managed to throw a certain amount of mud and a lot of it stuck. Yeah. And look at where we are now. Nowhere. Yes, that's right, Mike. And look, made no mistake and they went for it. Mm. But I can tell you, if I was the owner driver, I know the intent. And I've had this argument with many transport people. Mm. The intent was supposed to be we're all, geez, I nearly said we're all in this together. No way, no one will use that phrase. Jeez. Give yourself an uppercut. <laughs> we'll reset the <laughs> clock there, mate. Yep. The way that was done, yep. I can understand the fear that was rammed into the owner drivers because we had those sheds behind the scenes mm. who were making it an argument about, you know, oh, this is a good excuse. We have to get rid of the owner drivers if this comes in. Yeah. And the worst part is, I'm an ex owner driver. Yep. For God's sake, why would I want to do something that's going to crucify owner drivers? We're the backbone of the transport industry, for God's sake. Yeah. But also the drivers. So we have to do this in such a way where we do this all at the same time and we'd have to look at every single mishap that can come and say, now, how are we going to avoid this? Yeah. And when we go forward, and I say this honestly and sincerely, mate, I don't expect to get it in the first week, the first month, even the first year. Yeah. But when we do get it in, it will be done with consultation and agreements. Now, there's going to be a few people who are going to get aggrieved because I don't want anything to do with them and they know who they are because mm. I want them, I want those people who pertain to be champions of industry at the same time running protection rackets, pushing it to cut the rates <laughs> and break all the rules. And that's the Australian Trucking Association, mate. I'll say it as it is. Oh, no. In my opinion, mate, have no role to play when we're talking about conditions for drivers and owner drivers. They do not represent them. Pretty clear. Well, I've got no comment about what the ATA do or don't do. No, mate, I don't expect you to. Some of these things that they do I agree with and some of the things they do I don't agree with. But unfortunately, I've tried to talk to them a few times. They don't want to talk to me. Oh, surprise, surprise. So that's the way they go. They're just not interested. No. I think that we really should, as far as transport goes, we need more consultation, more conversation, not less. Mm-hmm. And we need a, certainly a little bit more pragmatism, mate. We need a little bit more of the West Coast on the East Coast, I think, from my experience over here. Hallelujah. <laughs> You've seen the light, my boy. I'll tell you what, mate, I've been driving over the system over here and the AM system and the way it's all managed over here. Yep. Then I look at the amount of bureaucratic bullshit you've got to wade through to get a permit in New South Wales. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if the road managers in New South Wales think they're paying for the roads out of their own pocket. Well, look, Mike, I know when we sat down in the mid-90s and I was on the working group to develop the fatigue management system here in WA, just talk about that. Yeah. Do I think it's perfect? No. Do I think it needs a fix-up? Yes, absolutely. Is it better than the Eastern States? My God, yes. Yeah. But we did it because it was the road transport industry that sat down and did it. We had no interference from the politicians. Yeah. And we had the bureaucracy just delivering what we wanted it to deliver. We were adamant that we didn't want to tie up the West Australian Police Force with the enforcement and all this sort of stuff. And that was put off to WorkSafe. Mm. And you know the operator. You know it, mate. You've worked under it. We've got a little bit of flexibility. There's a little bit of common sense there. Well, people think that it's the wild, wild west over here. There are no rules. It's leather jackets, six shooters and bloody cowboy hats. Mm. And that's just not true. Yep. There are rules and they are abided by and they are bloody enforced and people get whacked pretty hard if they make a monkey of themselves. 
Absolutely. There's a lot of pragmatic approach. And when I spoke to Cam Dumsney about it, you know, he told me about what happened in the big harvest there a few years ago and all the players got together and had a conversation, sorted the issues out and expanded the RAV network, yeah. got the harvest in, which is the goal. That's what it's all about. That's right, mate. You'd be still having that same meeting in New South Wales if you were trying to do that. Oh, what about Victoria? We'd still be tied up with the inquiry over a bridge or something. It'd be ridiculous. <laughs> Absolutely. So I'm, I'm proud of that, mate. And you know what, mate? I think our brothers and sisters across the Nullarbor, mate, would do well <laughs> with a little bit of injection of sand groper into the argument. Well, I don't know. There's a certain amount of pragmatism over here that getting the job done. And as you say, the situation now is obviously the state's inherited a system which was created a while back, and now you're seeing the benefits of it. Whereas the NHVR, I don't doubt that they've got their heart in the right place, but by hell, they've made it hard. They really have. Yes. They keep making it hard, I think, and I think that that could stand a little bit of a change, but that's just my personal opinion. Well, I'll tell you what, Mike, we joined at the hip because my opinion, it's only my opinion, it's not Labor policy, but my opinion is there needs to be a reset. Yeah. And that diabolical load of crap of a review that took hell on that take two and a half, three years. Yeah. Well, hello, hello, where did that end up? Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, that definitely needs to be a reset, mate. Yeah, well, I'm not afraid to reach across the aisle and shake your hand, mate. We're a lot closer together than we are further apart. We've been saying that for a long time. It's a scary thing for me. Well, Michael, I appreciate your support, mate, because I haven't got three heads. <laughs> well, some people might think I have, but the whole idea is, and this is what I said, Mike, and you know, when you and I first started our combats, yep. and I was determined that I've not blocked anyone. No, you haven't. No, never blocked anyone, mate. I've had a few ding-dongers, I can tell you. Yep. I'll talk to anyone if there's a common sense argument. Mm. And my belief is, you know what, mate? I'm not, in Tony Abbott's words, the suppository of all knowledge. <laughs> and I'm very happy to, if I've made a mistake or I've missed something, tell me. Because if we can get these things together and we're going to come out with better legislation, we're going to come out with a better system. Mm. And the whole idea is I may have picked up something that you might not have. Mm. But when we lay the machine guns at the door mm. and we get in the room and then say, what do we all agree on? We agree on so much more than what we disagree. On. That's right. The ones we can't agree on, park them over there. Let's get the low-hanging fruit. Let's fix the easy stuff. Let's get into the reform. We want this industry, mate. I don't have to tell you. Yeah. It ain't getting any better. Yeah. When I'm hearing operators tell me the difference between a profit this week was a headwind, I know exactly what they mean. Yeah, that's right. And this is pretty crook when our profit margins are down that low. Mm. Am I also one that sticks up for the employers that look after their people? Absolutely. And at the same token, I'll admonish the same employers who love to get out there and then screw the subbies in the other hand. Mm. But we've got some things to do and we'll do it as one. I'm convinced we can improve this industry, improve this nation. Mate, my son's in it. My old man was in it. Yep. I was from it. Yep. I want my grandson to go out and say, geez, Pop, I'd love to be a truck driver. I don't think there's too many grandsons if you're saying that the way we're going at the moment. And this is bloody sad, mate. We've made it too hard for the young fellows to get behind the wheel, mate. That's what the problem is. Oh, it's all this soap, all this nonsense. And when we learned it was at the tip of our father, the old man, and <laughs> my old man used to come out from Minnesota, and she'd say, for God's sake, get these boys out of my head. They're going with you in the truck. <laughs> and you can see, you go, oh, my God. And we'd be running around bare feet. Yeah. But I'll tell you what we learned. No, that's right. Unfortunately, they were the good old days, and they're behind us now. Yep. Well, I'm going to let you go back to doing your thing and trying to represent your constituents. Mate, I do appreciate the time you continue to give me. I really do. Thanks, mate. And your forthright opinions, mate. And for the benefit of the listeners, Glenn never ducks a question. I ask him what I like and he answers them. I'll tell you what, there's not much of what happens with the conversations we have that gets edited out. A few arms and a few R's. <laughs> the odd colourful language from me when he fires me up. But 
We'll talk to you down the track, mate. When you get into Canberra in government, you better give me a call. I wouldn't mind giving you my opinion. Well, I'll tell you what, mate. I will, just before you go, Mike, on behalf of us West Aussies, mate, great to have you over here for the time you were here. And I wish you all the very best, you and Rosie, on your travels back to the East Coast, mate. But you're always welcome back again, Cobber. Keep up the good work, mate. And I might even give you a scoop in the new year. How's that, mate? <laughs> no worries, mate. Depends how much I'll get beaten up on this one. No, I'll be looking forward to it, mate. There's a beer in the fridge at my joint, all right? Looking forward to it, mate. You take care, mate. Good on you. Thanks, mate. Kermie here from Trucking with Kermie. I listen to On the Road podcasts every week on the Australian Big Rigs Road Show. And when that's done, you might like to pop over to Trucking with Kermie on Facebook for my take on trucking and the people who make the industry what it is. Catch you over there, and in the meantime, take care of you. Just a quick word about our sponsors. Go to our webpage, www.ontheroadpodcast.com.au and you can see who the friends of the show are. And if their products are something that you are interested in or something that you may need, please support them because they support us and they bring our show to you. Blake Dantier, a bloke whose music career began with a drum kit on his 12th birthday. A few high school bands, talent quests and many, many pub gigs later, Dantier has built a solid following since his first single was released in 2020. With his new single Layover just out and a debut album set for release early in the new year, along with a host of gigs, Blake's collection of bittersweet ballads, raucous barroom anthems and everything in between will soon be taking the country by storm. Here's a chat I recorded with Blake Dantier recently. G'day, Blake. Thanks for joining us on the road. Yeah, thanks for having me. Mate, our pleasure. It's rumoured that beyond being a very talented singer-songwriter, you're also a mad keen home brewer as well. Uh-huh. And this aspect of your life has flavoured the themes a lot of your songs of late. Oh, yeah. I think everybody had a bit of a COVID hobby. So mine was getting into the home brewing. I was warned not to get you started on the subject because we could be here for hours. <laughs> really? That's probably a good idea, but it's too late now. I'm going. Yeah. So some of the songs where that theme flowed over into. I wrote Wish You My Beer. Yeah. It was very heavily inspired by my time sort of making beers and stuff. That's a great song. I even went and started working in a brewery in 2020, which I'm still working there now. Brilliant. Like it wasn't great money, but I was willing to take any money at that point. Sure. <laughs> I wasn't doing any music. Yeah, I just sort of just really wanted to learn how it was done. Yeah. Some people must have encouraged me at some point, you know, and said, oh, these beers are all right, man. Someone said, you should be selling these. And I was like, yeah, I don't think they're that good. Apparently they are. I don't know. I think people just say those things sometimes. But then since I've started learning more about beer, I realized how good those beers weren't. Okay. <laughs> and been getting a lot better at the brewing, but I went hard, like, you know, invested into all grain brewing and bought all these pots and all these little pieces that sort of fit together this little brew house. And Brilliant. It, I went deep. Yeah. It's, it's a rewarding hobby. Well, if you got to do something when you're locked down, there's probably not a lot of things that'd be better than doing that. Mate, the new single, however, has a somewhat different feel to it, though. What's the story behind the new song, Layover? Mm. Have you seen the TV show, The Blacklist? Yes. Yeah, well, I got the title for this song from that show. Okay. Which, you've seen the show, so you know that this song is nothing like that show. Yeah. (laughs) People just get shot and stuff all the time in that show. (laughs) But (laughs) this song is about a guy flying halfway across the world to propose to his girlfriend, but 
she says no, and he finds out it was just a layover. Right. So in the show, one of the guys was going to propose to another character, and he said, what if I'm just a layover? You know, what if she says no? Uh-huh. I was like, that's a great title. It clicked, yeah. That's wrong with that, yeah. And so it kind of wrote itself after that, because I kind of just did something that was similar to in the show. I think she said yes in the show. Yeah. But my song, she says no. You know, a little more drama. Yeah, why not? No, it's a great <laughs> song. It really is. Despite the uncertainty of the past 12 months or so, you've managed to keep very busy during 2021. You've picked up awards as well as being active on the road. Tell us what you've been up to this year. When, you know, shit kind of hit the fan in 2020, Hmm. I'd been planning to release music, but I was like, oh, should I do it? Should I not do it? You know, I kind of don't really know what's going on right now. But, you know, I was like, let's just push ahead and do it. And because of that, it has been really busy. And when we have been able to move around, we have got out on the road and done some touring. My partner is also a country artist, Cass Hopton. Hmm. So we've done a lot of stuff because she started releasing music at the same time as well at the start of 2020. And so it was like, it's been very busy because we're both doing it, I suppose. And it's, you know, it would always be, she would come along to my gigs and sing, but now I'm just going along to her gigs and playing guitar. Yeah. She's too cool to sing for me now. <laughs> <laughs> We've been hanging out to get up to some festivals with that, but border closures keep <laughs> shutting us out. Yeah. So yeah, it's like it's been weird because I'm sitting at home and seems like stuff is happening, you know, songs are getting played on radio and getting chart positions and stuff. And it's like, I'm just sitting at home. Yeah. Some days not even getting out of my pajamas. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Being like, this is it. Like, is this what it's like? Yeah. But, you know, it's just been so weird. And we would love to get out there and actually do a little more, although it feels like a lot is going on. Well, it looks like 2022 is going to be a bigger year for you. There's going to be a lot happening. What have you got planned? I think you're off to Tamworth, aren't you? Yeah, I'm so keen for that. Mm. Tamworth is, I mean, it's the 50th anniversary of the festival next year. Yeah. So it's going to be big anyway, you know, Mm. but it's certainly going to be the biggest one for me yet. Like it's a pretty busy week and there's, there's a lot of gigs in the calendar, which I'm pretty excited about. I think for a long time, Tamworth's been a tough nut to crack for me. Mm. Just a few gigs here and there, but now, you know, there's quite a lot on and I think it's going to be the first time that I've really even got to play any of these singles with a band. Yeah. It'll have been like two years since we recorded them at that point. Yeah. And I still haven't played them live. So I'm really going to enjoy it when we finally get up there to do that. For sure. And there's a new album too, I believe. Is that coinciding with the Tamworth Festival? Mm, almost. That was like one of our ideas, but we ended up going with March instead. Yep. So yeah, like actually probably going to announce that that is available for pre-order pretty soon, that album. It's called Dry Season and it's coming out on, I think it's the 25th of March. It's late March anyway. <laughs> okay. But yeah, it's got all the singles that I've been bringing out since 2020, mm. which, you know, like seems like ages to wait to finally bring this album out. <laughs> I definitely wanted it out sooner, but it's just like, you know, the world being what it is, it doesn't make any sense to put out an album and then not be able to go play live. Yeah. So we've just been waiting for that. Finally, it's going to be out there, which, like I said, it will have been two years since we recorded that album. So Mm. it's like I'm just so keen to have it out there for people to be able to see the whole picture of what I've tried to put together here. Yeah. Well, talking to people being aware of all this, what's the best way for our listeners to find out more about you, your music and your tour dates, album release, all that sort of stuff? Best place to be informed, I reckon, would probably be Instagram. Mm -hmm. I'm probably most active on there. And what do they look for on Instagram? Oh, it's just Blake Dantia. All right, gotcha. And then there's the website, which is blakedantia.com.au. Okay. 
I've been talking with Blake Dantier, a truly versatile Aussie songwriter and performer. Blake, many thanks for sharing some time with us today. How about you introduce your new single for us, if you will? Oh, we'd love to. I'm Blake Dantier, and this is my brand new track, Layover. Fantastic. Cheers, mate. Yeah, thanks for that, man. Thank you. 
This is Adam Gibson from NTI, and you're listening to On the Road with Mike and Andy. If you need signage or graphics for your truck, trailer, van, boat, equipment or business, the Sticker Shed is the fast and cost-efficient large-format digital print and vinyl cut graphic business that can meet all your needs. They specialise in signs, graphics, decals, stickers, banners, one-way window signage and even large-scale canvas prints. Don't be fooled by the name, the Sticker Shed has a fully mobile production facility, which means they can manufacture your signage or graphics on the spot. Even if they're not in your area, they can still custom make your signs, stickers and graphics and ship them to you. For more information or to obtain a quote, send an email to brett at thestickershed.com.au, visit the Sticker Shed Facebook page or call Brett on 0412-105-151. The Sticker Shed, their business is making your business look great. It's time for Wake the Truck Up with Ben Charles, the truckies tax accounting specialist. I'm Ben Charles for Truckies Tax Accountants here each week to help hardworking Aussie truckies wake the truck up to increase your refunds in 22 and to recover extra refunds from returns you've lodged 21, 20 and so forth. Last week, I defined the perfect truckie tax profile to ensure the biggest and safest refund for 2022. So be sure to listen to that episode 66 if you haven't already. And call us on 1300 511 to book in your free 2022 biggest refund setup and your free review of your 21 and your 20 and any other tax return you've lodged to help you recover unclaimed refunds. Today, I want to discuss a question I'm commonly asked by truckies. That is, is it better for me to work as an employee under my tax file number, or should I work as a contractor under my ABN? A quick summary. Under your tax file number, you get your four weeks paid leave, you get your 10-day sick leave, you get superannuation contributions, and theoretically, more security. I don't believe it, but that's what they say. Under an ABN, you get a higher rate, and you get a lot more that you can claim namely a home office for the ABN. Perhaps your wife or other family member can work as an employee for your contract. So that means you would be far better off. And throughout the annual leave and sick days, you will have paid for them many times over. With that being said, don't find yourself getting the worst of both scenarios. For an ABN home office to be claimable, you can't just be working as an employee, i.e. you can't be making more than 80% of your income from the one source. So if all you've done is same job but move from TFN to ABN, you still may be able to claim your wife and kids as a support for your company, but you won't be able to claim your home office other than the typical 54 cents an hour. But if you do, you've got multiple clients, that ABN home office could be somewhere in the vicinity of ten to $15,000. We'll work that out when we chat. So call us on one three hundred five triple one five one to have a chat about that. Some fantastic news for me and for you. Santa has come early. Because Luke Bonner of Triple M's Night Shift has heard my segment here on Australia's number one truckies podcast. And I will be airing my advice across 46 stations to 500,000 people as of the 16th of January. So we'll be able to have a chat live on radio. Remember, Mike, Andy and I are always keen to hear from you right now. 
by sending your questions, requests, remarks to ontheroadpodcast.com.au or call us 24-7 on 1-300-5111. Remembering that the questions you have are likely to generate answers that are useful to your fellow truckies. As always, any information I'm providing here for better tax returns for Proprietary Limited Trading as Truckies Tax Accountants is basically the information available to you from the ATO on ato.gov.au or calling them on 132861. So they are ultimately the only source of information that is absolutely accurate. Finally, for God's sakes, wake the truck up. As we approach the new year, and I'll be talking to you on the 31st, you really should listen, call one 5151 with your questions, and implement the strategies we talk about. Until our next show, I'm Ben Charles for Truckee's Tax Accountants. Keep it safe out there and have a Merry Christmas. G'day guys, it's Tone from Tone's Trucking Stories here and TruckWiz. And you can now listen to the On The Road podcast on the Australian Big Rig Road Show via the TruckWiz app. Download it from the App Store right now. Line number one, you're supposed to have it all together. And when they ask how you're doing, just smile and tell them never better. We just wanted to stop by for a moment and say, G'day, how are you? No, I mean, how are you, really? Physical and mental health is a significant issue for the Australian road transport and logistics industries. Risk factors like long hours, workplace isolation, pressure to meet deadline deliveries and the need for continual alertness all contribute to making us vulnerable to physical and mental health issues. As much as it might feel that way sometimes, you are not alone. There are some incredible people and organisations in our industry whose sole focus is on helping you to stay healthy in body, mind and spirit. All these numbers and addresses are listed on our website at ontheroadpodcast.com.au. Take care of yourselves. We really just want to see everyone get home safe and well. For all the latest industry news, go to www.bigrigs.com.au. Hi, Mike. The countdown's on to your escape from the Wild West, mate. Two days to go, mate. Yeah. I'm arguing the point with them in South Australia at the moment. They won't need an exemption to drive through now. It's just a joke. Okay. Just a sick joke it is. But anyway. What's happening with the van? You're still taking the van or have you sold that? Or? I'm taking the van back to Sydney. So look out for me on the Nullarbor with the big on the road sticker on the back. Say day. Give me a call on Channel 40. I'll be there. Hassling everyone. Holding everyone up. That'll be my role for the next few days anyway. I'm sorry you haven't moved it yet, but I'm pleased for the sake of the show because it's good advertising all the way back across the country. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, we'll be right, mate. Now, mate, finally put the foot down with the missus the other day. All right, eh? Yeah, I told her I was not impressed by the fact that she's always pushing me around and talking behind my back. <laughs> she said, fine, go find someone else to push your wheelchair then. <laughs> Yeah. Meanwhile, back at the news. Back at the news. Mike, it seems like only recently we were talking about this, but evidently it was a whole year ago. Yeah. So despite inclement conditions, last Friday over 150 trucks turned out for the 2021 Dane Ballinger Memorial Truck Show in Bathurst. 
Yeah, and what a sterling event it was. If you look at the picture there at www.bigrigs.com.au, there's a picture of a couple of Kenworths there. And that purple thing that's there, I used to share a yard with that. That's a nice-looking truck when you get up close to it. Yeah, it is. He's a man that suffered some of his own tragedy as well. We won't go into that right now, but if old mate Flowers is listening, I'll uh, say good day. Mm. The show was revived in 2016 by uh, Dane Ballinger and Dean Campbell and became an annual event again. Dane passed in 2019 in a truck accident. So now it's a memorial truck show. And it's gone from strength to strength by the look of it. A heck of a lot of trucks there. It's a great day. Everyone seemed to be enjoying themselves. I really wish I was there. I planned to be there last year and it was cancelled because of the COVID stuff that we've been having to endure. Yeah. Young Sam Bellinger chose Jeremy Averno's Kenworth T900 Legend as the winner of the show. And the award for the best logging combination display went to Chris Mangan from Mangan's Transport with his Kenworth T909. The best tipper and tipper and dog combination was also taken out by Jackie Vella from Raygal for her 2017 Kenworth 900. Mm. And the best working rig was a K200 big cab from Matt Clark. There's a little link at the bottom of the story where you can go and you can have a look at the show. It's not a surprise <laughs> that it's mostly American trucks that show that that's the culture up there and you've got to love it. There's some bloody nice looking trucks come out of up that way. Yeah, well, tremendous show, mate, and a great legacy in memory of Dane. Yep. That is. Mike, with the easing of the Queensland border restrictions on Tuesday, mm. interstate truckies still had to wait a further 48 hours before their concessions kicked in yep. and with a number of the existing conditions still retained. Yeah, and just to make it even more fun, they decided it would be a good idea to move the freight lane. Yeah. I mean, seriously, these guys couldn't organise a chook raffle. Go to the uh, Big Rigs webpage and read the story for yourself if you want to. But you still needed your valid F pass. You still needed to have your fully vaccination. You still needed to have a negative PCR. I can only really just sort of ask why, mm. really why. Mm. Daddy want to talk about that crap anymore. But we do have to talk about one thing. There was two two-up teams in Perth on Tuesday who tested positive for COVID-19. Once again, these drivers are double vaxxed, negative PCRs. They've come across into the state. They've done everything. They went to a pharmacy. They went to a pizza shop. They walked around. There's obviously there was a whole list of things there. But once again, the sky's falling. We're checking CCTV to make sure we're wearing masks and we're doing all that sort of stuff. Anyone would think that truck drivers are second-class citizens the way we've been treated now. I've had enough of it, mate. Yeah, well, enough of COVID, but on to the other hot topic at the moment. It seems with every week there's a new AdBlue story to tell. Oh, yeah. The Truck Industry Council is calling for us all to keep calm amidst the growing disquiet around the looming AdBlue shortage. Yeah, keep calm and just soldier on. That seems to be the plan, and it's certainly the call from everyone at the moment. Fact is, and there I go saying the fact is, <laughs> and that's an in-joke. <laughs> the fact simply is that the AdBlue is getting short in supply, and we're going to have to do something about it. Now, I can tell you now that there will be no relief from government, and I can tell you, you, you want to know why I know that? Don't tell me. Because this morning, this very morning, Bob Catter called for the AdBlue system to be disabled for 12 months. Okay. So if Bob's called for it, that automatically means that unless the Liberal government want to vote for something, which they won't because they're not going back to work, mm. it won't happen. <laughs> yeah. Because they automatically take a diametrically opposed view to whatever Bob wants. Yeah. There you go. So we are screwed. We're in this situation now where we're looking down the barrel of shortages. There is price gouging going on. No one can deny that. I want to know where the ACCC are 
they're just sitting there, bloody eating popcorn and twiddling their thumbs watching the show develop. There are people out there that have ordered urea and it looks like there might be some coming from Indonesia, but it's not here. It's not on the ground here. And AdBlue is one of those things that isn't regulated by the government. There are no strategic stores of it anywhere. We are at the mercy of everyone else, as we have been since these clowns have decided that we can do everything outside the country and it's okay to hold a strategic store of something outside the country. They seem to forget we're thousands of miles away from anything and everything takes time. Simply put, we need to realise that we're a country of 25, 26 million and our economy is smaller than the state of California. Hmm. We run around trying to run a world-class military with stealth fighter jets that cost billions of dollars. Does California do that? No. Can we afford to build 14 different car varieties in Australia? We want to go out and kick people's ass on the world stage and be involved with the United Nations. Majority of people don't give a rat's ass what Australia thinks. Yeah. Now, I know that I care what Australia thinks, but they don't. Yeah. Anyway, mate, that's a rant for another day. Yeah. That's really a no-holds-barred conversation. I should get Ross Cameron and we can talk about it a lot. Yeah, probably can. And speaking of California, a bit of trivia for you. Yep. You remember the old mini-moke Californians? I do, mate. Did you know that California was the only place in the world where you couldn't legally register one? <laughs> I didn't know that, but it doesn't surprise me. Makes perfect sense. Yeah, it does. Mate, a load restraint education project run by three regional shire councils in New South Wales has been hailed as a success with a significant reduction in load breaches reported. Anything that educates people should be hailed as a complete success. It's a very broad statement, Mike. Well, (laughs) (laughs) some people are like computers, mate. Sometimes you've got to punch the information in more than once. Yes. (laughs) 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 Oh dear, oh dear, sometimes I even crack myself up. Yep. You've started me now. Um, I've got a tear. In your eye, I hope. <laughs> yeah, I do, and I've got a hard name to pronounce, and it's all your fault. <laughs> Good luck. NHVR CEO Sal, Sal Petrosito. I've got to say it without laughing now. NHVR CEO Sal Petrosito said the project demonstrates the benefits of the HVSI initiatives, and uh, they're driven by industry for industry. So all this sort of stuff where we're going out, we're educating people and we're teaching them things that you need beyond getting a licence, it's all got to be good. Mm. In fact, I'd fully support the idea of a truck driving school, a proper school, where you go like TAFE and you have to do several different subjects and obviously you would end up with a little piece of paper, you know, truck driver class one or something. Now, I know there are these qualifications out there, but the route to get to them, the access to doing them, the amount of hands-on experience you actually get while you're getting them, I question all that. There should be a school, and it doesn't matter where it is. There should be one in every state, I suppose, if we're going to educate enough people. I don't know that we are, because once again, we're smaller than California, so we need to probably consolidate a few of these things. If you want to be a professional truck driver, then you need to go and get this piece of paper. You need to be showing that you've been trained. Well, if they can have a McDonald's university, why can't we have a Kenworth university? Hmm. Why can't Kenworth and some of the bigger companies get behind this? I mean, Mm. Cam Dumsney from Western Roads Federation has tried to set this sort of thing up. Mm. It's like everything else in transport. It's all a zero-sum game. I won't give someone else credit for coming up with a great idea, and I don't want to pay for it because I might not get all the credit for it. It's one of those someone should do that kind of thing. It is. Mm. Yeah, someone, some, yeah, anyway, let's not go there either. Yeah. That'd be bad. Have you got some breaking news for us? Well, it's not actually breaking news. Okay. It was already broken? It's already broken. Okay. There's a couple of little things that have happened over the last few days that probably really do need some recognition of the fact that they've actually happened. So 
it's not really breaking news, but it is news. Okay. The NHBR have said that non-conformities are plummeting in their latest survey. Mm-hmm. You know, now to me that's an important piece of information. Once again, South Petrocito said the inspections of 13,325 heavy vehicle units between May and June across Australia have shown that non-conformities have dropped from 48% to 31%. Now, that's a great number, Mm. and we should be getting credit for that. There's a whole raft of information there. That story's only just come up today. You know, I I would have loved to have talked about it some more, but we've run out of time, mate. Well, I've got one last and very important news item, Mike, Mm. and that's with the announcement that the team here at On The Road has come together to generously provide a Christmas gift for each and every one of our listeners. This is news to me. That's going to be like when the kids open the present and mum's sitting there looking happy and dad's looking surprised. I'm looking surprised at the moment. Well, (laughs) we wanted to show our appreciation to the loyal followers of our podcast. So to find out about their gift, all listeners have to do is make sure they tune in next week to our super enormous all singing, all dancing Christmas show. Second Christmas special. Looking forward to it, mate. You can already feel the excitement and the tension in the air. I can. I can see the mistletoe. Well, I'm glad I can't, and no, you're not getting one, but anyway, thanks for asking. (laughs) Uh, All right, out of time, mate. Thought for the week? Yep. Everybody should own a dog. That way, every time you come home, it's guaranteed that at least someone in the house will be happy to see you. And that's exactly why I have one. (laughs) (laughs) All right, mate. Well, happy week before Christmas, and we'll see you next week. Okie doke. See ya. Cheers, bud. Road News is brought to you by Big Rigs, Australia's national road transport newspaper. Hey, this is Gina Jeffries. And I'm Tanya Kernigan. And you're listening to On the Road with Mike and Andy. This week, I have been casting around trying to find out what's going on with this ad blue issue. And I thought, well, I'll get James Graham on the line. We'll have a bit of a chat. And I've also had a chat with Angie, who's a small fluid owner, to find out what she had to say. For me personally, I think that there's a hell of a lot of conflicting information going on around the ad blue. We do have a serious, serious issue with price gouging at the moment. And you've got to get on the socials and find out what's going on, have a look at the trucking pages. You can see pictures from a service station last week where the price was $0.99 a litre and now it's $2.99 a litre. $500 for a 20-litre drum on bloody eBay. I mean, seriously? AdBlue is one of these things. Because it's illegal to shut it off on your truck, you've got to do it to comply, so therefore you've got to buy it. You're backed into a corner. You don't have a choice. Tell you what, all the fellows that have bought the old trucks or the new trucks that are not running AdBlue would have to be sitting there rubbing their hands together at the moment. I know I personally hate AdBlue. It just really drives me nuts. Ran a K200 across the paddock with AdBlue on it. The only problems we ever had with that truck was with the bloody AdBlue. Broken lines, the pump's always on the wrong side and all that sort of stuff. It was a pain in the ass. Hated it, hate, hate, vomit. Hate AdBlue with a passion. But there we are. It's a part of life. So have a listen to what we've got to say with James and Angie. Sorry about the sound quality on the chat with James, but he was in a bit of an echoey place and I didn't realise it was quite so bad till I listened back to it. It's important what he's got to say, so we might just have to live with it for today. Have a talk about it amongst yourself. Get back to me, send me an email, tell me what you think, but I think it's going to be a big issue. We're certainly going to be feeling the effects of it in the new year anyway. James Graham, editor of Big Rigs. He's the one that's been seeing all the information across AdBlue. James, how are you going, mate? 
Yeah, good, thanks, Mike. Well, this has certainly blown up into probably the biggest issue I've ever struck in my three and a half years in the job. It's crazy, isn't it? We all know that everyone has to use AdBlue, or the guys that have got AdBlue clearly have to use it. What are people saying to you? Do people really think it's going to run out? Look, it is going to run out unless they get an alternative source other than China. That much we do know. There's a whole lot of mixed messages coming out. I know Canberra's in damage control. The government's putting out, obviously, like they always do, positive spin on it all. Don't panic, everyone. We're working on alternative urea sources. It'll all be okay. We've got enough to get you through. But really, are you as confident as they are? I don't know. I don't know. Very doubtful. I'm not real confident, mate. I've got hundreds of pictures that I've seen of some clear price gouging that's been going on. Absolutely. Yeah, we've seen that as well. Like, Well, like 99 cents a litre and then $3.99 a litre, you know? Yes. Senator Searle showed a photo, I think, and several others have shown me maybe not that high, but certainly approaching two bucks. Yeah, well, two ninety nine. I've got pictures from the Shell at Hewdale, yeah. where it's $2.99 a litre, and they're putting limits on. You know, buy 50 litres. Have you seen it on eBay, mate? Five bucks a litre on eBay? Really? No, I haven't. That's ridiculous. Look, you know, they're telling us not to panic, but these guys are going to run the trucks on something. Mm. As, as Simon O'Hara from Rope Rate New South Wales rightly pointed out, who incidentally flagged this issue before anyone, yeah. he pointed out Lyndon Watson from Don Watson Transport 2. Yeah. Trucks can't get to the supermarkets or the gas stations without running at blue because obviously these guys are on contract that dictate that in the modern Euro 5 and 6 trucks. So we're in a situation now where we're being compelled by the law to do one thing. We've got reality, which is the fact that we're not getting it there. The price has gone up like exponentially. Yes. And we're damned if we do and we're damned if we don't. Rumour has it, the latest rumour that I've got, is that one of the big fleets has actually turned it off. Really? Wow. That's the news that I've got at the moment. The other thing about this too that I know guys that shouldn't remain nameless have also decided that their best course of action is to turn it off. They'll run the risk of getting caught. Interesting. And we all know what the NHBR have been saying about they've been running a concerted campaign about engine remapping. We've all seen that. Yes. So, Well, watch the space. I spoke to the NHBR today briefly about this very issue and, of course, they just react to what the politicians tell them to do. Yeah, yeah. They implement these laws. They don't make them, Mm. which is fair enough. Mm. So if it comes down from above, they can turn a blind eye on this kind of practice. Mm. That might be the road we have to take until this alternative supply suddenly appears from somewhere. Well, I know that Lee Smart's been trying to get out of quality urea to make AdBlue with. He's having trouble with that. Right. The light at the end of the tunnel is the freight train, mate. That's the way it looks at the moment. <laughs> yeah. Look, we know that there are countries who do produce this stuff. Yep. Whether they can get all the paperwork done and the ships heading our way in time, mm. you know, five weeks or so. That's what I heard. We've only got five weeks left. Yep. Probably less now for some people with all this hoarding going on. Yeah, well, there is a lot of hoarding going on. No doubt. I've heard rumours of blacks buying five, six shuttles at once to keep in their shed. I mean, it's got a shelf life on it too. You can't store it forever. That's right. Good point. The Truck Industry Council, who are experts in such things, yeah. have likely pointed that out. And yeah, it's on our website, a Q&A from the TIC yeah. on all the technical aspects of it as well. I wasn't aware of that. Yeah, it does have a shelf life. Good point. Crazy stuff. All right, James, well, we'll keep us updated, mate, and we'll throw it out there as soon as we can. We've got the Christmas special coming on the show, so that'll keep you entertained at least. It certainly will. I don't drive anywhere without the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Looking forward to it. Good on you, James. You have a Merry Christmas, mate. You too. Merry Christmas to you and everybody. We'll get together for a beer in the new year, mate. Sounds good. Good on you, buddy. Thank you. Thank you.
I've also had a chat with Angie, who's a small fleet owner, to find out what she had to say. She's always on top of things a day before everyone else. How are you, Angie? How's it going? Yeah, good, thanks, Mike. Yourself? Oh, look, I'm just wonderful. I'm just sitting over here and I've got the popcorn out and I'm thinking about a cold beverage and I'm watching the AdBlue situation develop. Ah, that's very interesting, isn't it, that thing? Well, you know, I saw the pictures from down at Qdale there the other day, how the price just sort of magically jumped. Yeah. I have to say, I'm looking at the prices and it appears to be happening in a number of the states. Yeah. I actually have a fuel supplier. Now, they ran out of AdBlue about six weeks ago, but it really only impacted us a couple of weeks ago when we went to go and get our tank refilled. Mm. And they've said, oh, yeah, no, sorry, we can't help you. We're out. I've been really lucky. I've been speaking with Simon O'Hara from Road New South Wales, and he'd given me a little bit of a heads up on what was going on as well. So I actually put a post on Facebook just trying to get a few people to let me know what's happening with the prices and with the behaviours around the ad blue. Mm. And I have to tell you, it was incredible, the responses. Mm. So we've been getting prices anywhere from, I think it was about $1.50 mm. up through to $3.75 a litre for the ad blue. Yep. So that sort of price jump in such a short period of time is absolutely ludicrous. Mm. I'm actually seriously contemplating whether or not this is an ACCC matter due to price gouging. So before I say anything to the ACCC, I have been making quite a few inquiries. Very lucky in being contacted by quite a few people, including this amazing gentleman who actually makes that blue. Righto, yep. So what he has actually told me is, yeah, there's a shortage, but it was obvious quite some time ago there was going to be a shortage. Right. So when he realised that, he ordered a whole heap of urea from Germany yep. because China's currently decided that they need to keep all these domestically. I'm just going to leave China alone there, I think, Mike. Yep. So, yeah, he ordered a whole heap from Germany. So he's actually a small business owner. Yes, I think his business is going to go from strength to strength. He saw that the shortage was going to happen. He's keeping all of his customers at nearly the same price per litre. Yep. Then they're selling it, obviously, to other areas. He has a lot of big transport businesses. Mm. So those big transport businesses are going to be absolutely fine, his clients. He did say he's spoken to quite a number of other AdBlue makers and they didn't think it was going to be an issue, mm. so they didn't order up. Right. So we've got a couple of different schools of thought on it at the moment then. Mm-hmm. The rumour I've heard is that one of the big fleets is talking about turning it off. They are turning it off or they have turned it off in the last day or so. Okay. So you're talking about a fuel supplier or are you talking about a big transport company? Transport company, a fleet. Oh, okay. Wow. That's the rumour that I've heard at the moment. I can't name any names because it is just a rumour. Yeah. But we've all seen what the various industry groups have been saying about, you know, you can't turn it off. And we know the NHVR's position on remapping, they've had quite a bit to say. I know that the trucking industry Facebook pages have just blown up. There have been some sensationally stupid comments. That's what social media is for, isn't it? Yeah, it is, I suppose. But... (laughs) If you're an owner-driver or a small fleet and you're depending on AdBlue to run your fleet and you're trying to do everything above board... You just can't. You just can't, I don't think. And I'd have to wonder, if you're running into the more remote areas where AdBlue is going to become impossible, 
what exactly your options are. I mean, surely you can't be told to just park it over there and wait till we get some more sun. That's just not fair, not right. It isn't right, and it's one of the main issues. Now, I know Angus Taylor came out the other day and said, oh, look, there's no issue, just stay calm and we'll all be right. Yeah. Now, that's my information as well from a couple of different sources. Mm. The problem is we've got people now who are stockpiling and we're even talking about small businesses stockpiling. So with all these different people stockpiling, we've now got the service stations or the suppliers, I'm not sure which, who have jacked up the prices knowing, which means the vast majority of owner drivers and small businesses don't have the capacity to actually store or have their own supplies available. So they're absolutely relying on service stations. Now, in the last four days in particular, after I've asked the question, who's finding issues, Mm. there are so many service stations that are running out of AdBlue Mm. and don't know when they'll get a top up. Now, we know there's a lot of AdBlue in the country Mm. and the info I got this morning, it was five weeks worth. Apparently, it's been said that it's now about seven weeks worth. That's the number I've heard, seven to eight weeks, I've been told. Yeah, Yeah, and then we've got about another two weeks that's en route to us as well, which will be here before the seven weeks runs out. Mm. So at the end of the day, it seems like we actually do have enough, but it's almost like another toilet paper problem. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But the issue in the meantime, there are some businesses that are more than happy to take advantage of those of us that require the AdBlue to get our jobs done. Yeah. And the profit margins with owner drivers and small businesses is so tiny, Mm. this sort of price hike will see people parked up. Yeah, it's crazy. I really can't see how there's a sensible way, particularly when we've got, as you say, so many people that are willing to take advantage. Yeah. All right, mate. Well, we'll leave it there. Thanks for coming on and sharing your words with us. We'll just have to wait and see what happens, I suppose. It couldn't happen at the worst time of the year either, over Christmas when everything's so busy. and. Yeah, that's a major issue, I think, for everybody in the country, not just transport. Yeah. Right, mate, take care, stay safe on the road, and we'll see you in the new year, no doubt. Lovely. Thanks so much, Mike. Bye. Hey, it's Blake Dantia here, and you're listening to On The Road with Mike and Andy. That's our show for this week. Thanks for coming along for the ride. On The Road is proudly brought to you by NTI, Australia's leading transport and logistics insurer. Be sure to join us again next week when Mike says... Ho, ho, ho. Ho, ho, ho. Ho, ho, ho. Ho, ho, ho. Andy wanted ho, ho, ho. Fuck if I know what for. Merry Christmas. Ho, ho, ho. Andy says... Merry Christmas, dude. Party on. And our guest says... Give us something really (laughs) juicy for those truckies that are driving down the road. Until we catch up with you again next week, play nice with each other and most of all, stay safe out there. Bye for now. Bye-bye. The team here at On The Road believe in the right to free speech and whilst we might not always be in agreement with the views of our guests and contributors, we support their right to hold and express those opinions. Bye-bye.